Welcome to Mill Creek Church in Belleville, Texas, where our worship service is in progress. Today, Pastor Monty Bird continues with his sermon series on the book of Romans. And now, Pastor Bird. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we continue our study of Romans, I just pray that we might take your truth and embrace it and apply it to our lives so that we might stand as a living testimony to your power and your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, turn with me to Romans chapter 13 as we continue our study of the 13th chapter. And let me remind everyone as we begin that in Romans 12 and in chapter 13 as well, Paul is directing Christians on how we should live. And as he's beginning the 13th chapter, he's telling us how the Christian should interact with government. And let me remind you that as Paul is writing this letter, the Roman government is no friend to the Christian. And yet we find Paul telling us in the first verse of Romans 13, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. And as I stated over the last couple of Sundays, that God appoints every single leader. And we see that in Scripture through Daniel chapter 2, starting in verse 20, where it reads, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are His. And He changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness, and light dwells with him. Proverbs chapter 21, in verse 1, it reads, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, like the rivers of water. He turns it wherever he wishes. I also mentioned last Sunday that God uses all leaders to accomplish his eternal purpose. And I'll mention Pharaoh later, but I read last week in Romans where God said that he used Pharaoh to accomplish his purpose. And that leads us to our focal passage this morning. I want to begin, though, at verse 1, which we've already studied, and we will read through verse 7 Romans 13, 1 through 7, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good. And you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. 
But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render therefore all to their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. If we wanted to summarize these verses, Paul is telling us that we as Christians should be good citizens. And we're all old enough, the majority of us, to remember sitting in government class when we were taught that. That it was our responsibility to be good and productive citizens. And especially as the Christian. Now, he expresses this, first of all, in the negative. If you look at verse 2, it says, Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. In other words, you obey so you won't experience the negative, the judgment. And he's not talking here about God's judgment. He's talking about the judgment of the government. If you break a law, you'll experience the judgment of the government. He then expresses it in the positive. If you look in verse 3, do what is good and you will have the praise from the same. And in fact... If you think about why does he express this in the positive and why does he express this in the negative, the answer is is because government has a legitimate authority from God to govern. And if you look at verse 4, he expresses this. For he is God's minister to you for good, but if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. And there in verse 4, you see the authority that God gives government to execute capital punishment. It's in the Bible. It's an authority bestowed by God. And apart from persecution, if you look at most governments, most governments have laws against murder, against theft. The things that you and I would agree are a basic form of government. And we're told that we should be a good citizen as we interact with the government. And the government should, should encourage good behavior and discourage bad behavior. But regardless of the fact, we are still told to obey. Still told to obey, regardless. And let me remind you that Paul is writing this at the time of Nero, the worst Caesar of the Roman government. In fact, I remember when Kathy and I went to Rome and we went outside the city and all of the Christians, because they weren't allowed to be buried in the city, all the Christians are buried in the catacombs and you could go underground numerous floors and see burial of Christians. They were a persecuted people 
And if you think of this in light of the fact that Paul is telling us that we should be good citizens and we should submit to the government, I think that this makes it clearly evident of what Paul is telling us to do. Now you might say, well, what about the bad leader? What about the bad leader? God uses all leaders. For example, there wouldn't be an exodus without a pharaoh. There wouldn't be a crucifixion without a pilot. There would not be a revelation without the world's armies. God is moving in using all leaders to accomplish his eternal purpose. You and I have this ability to just concentrate on the here and now. But we should have rest as Christians. We should have comfort that as crazy as things seem, we should rest in the fact that God is in control, He is on His throne, and He is accomplishing His eternal purpose. And I'm absolutely confident when we're at the throne of God after the end of time, we're going to look back and go, wow, that made perfect sense. Doesn't seem like it now. And in fact, I think we'll all agree that our world seems to be unhinged at the moment. Well, the one thing that I can have hope in is that God told us that the world would get worse before the end of time. It's clearly getting worse. And it's just a day closer to Jesus. And we should rest in that. We should rejoice in it. But in the meantime, we are called to interact with the government. Now, let's think about that. I mentioned this a couple of Sundays ago, and I want to mention it again. You and I have the privilege of being born in America, living in America, and having the system that we find ourselves in. He's not telling us to disengage with the system. We have the ability to work in the system. We have the ability as a believer to stand up for our rights in the system. Now, we have an international audience through Sermon Audio, and some of our listeners don't have that privilege. They live under the thumb of a heavy government. But you and I have the ability to be a citizen and stand for our rights. But when we do, when we stand for our rights, when we work in the system, if you and I decide that we were going to be quote-unquote political, the overriding desire and emphasis should be for us to express our testimony when we interact with the system. From the most simplest way, when you and I go into the ballot 
booth, the voting booth, our number one reason why we vote the way we should vote is to express our testimony. We should vote for the candidate that is closest to our views in Christianity. And I'm amazed at the number of Christians who don't go vote. Well, if we're going to be a good citizen, we should, especially in this day and age, we should be going to the voting booth and voting for that person that is at least as close to our Christian views as possible. It's part of our duty. When we stand up, when we stand up as citizens in public forums, we need to recognize that we need to give a good testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ as we stand up and express our rights in a public forum. Venture to say that some of the times that you see people stand up and express their views in public, sometimes that is being lost. And I, I want to give you a wonderful example of this. And we touched on some of these verses, I believe it was last week. But turn with me to the 26th chapter of Acts. 26th chapter of Acts, Paul is imprisoned. And as we look at verse 24, it says, Now as he thus made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul You are beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. But look at what Paul said in verse 25. He said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak the words of truth and reason. For the king before whom I also speak freely knows these things, for I am convinced that none of these things escape his attention since the things was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, Do you believe the prophets? I know that you do believe. Look at Agrippa's response in 28. You almost persuade me to become a Christian. And then when you look at verse 29, Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but also who hear me today might become almost and altogether such as I am, except for these chains. What does Paul do? Yes, he's working the system. He's a Roman citizen. He has the right. He has the right. And he appeals to Rome. But most and foremost, he gives his testimony. He gives his testimony. He uses his time to witness. And as we stand in the public square, We need to stand for our rights as Americans. Because if we don't, the other side is going to create a world that you and I do not want to live in. We should be active. We should stand for the things of Christ. And we must be ready to suffer persecution. Right now, we still have it pretty easy in this country. There are people who listen to us on sermon audio 
that if they were caught listening to a Christian sermon, they would suffer severe physical persecution. You and I have the ability to still proclaim, but that is even diminishing. And I don't know if you've been following this, but in the UK, you have this woman who was silently praying outside of an abortion clinic who was arrested. And I want to read to you from the National Review a February 3rd article. The title of the article says, Charges Dropped Against British Woman Arrested for Praying Outside of Abortion Clinic. And it goes on, and the article says, Charges have been dropped against a British woman who was arrested in December for silently, let me stress that, silently praying outside an abortion clinic in England. But she has nevertheless decided to pursue a verdict in court to clear her name, her attorneys announced Friday. Isabel Vaughn Spruce, who police took into custody for violating a public space protection order in a viral video, has decided to pursue a verdict so that she can clear her own name and protect other pro-life activists who might run into similar issues in the future. It is vital that I have clarity as to my legal status, she said in a statement released by her attorneys at the Alliance Defending Freedom UK. Many of us need an answer as to whether it is lawful to pray silently in our own heads. That's why I will be pursuing a verdict regarding my charges in court. Thank God that she's doing this. The anti-Christian groups that we find in the nations that we live in, their first run is to silence us. They want to silence us. And they'll use everything in their power to silence. And they drop the charges, knowing that the charges won't stand, thinking that we will just go away. They want us to just go away. And thank God that this woman is recognizing that it's just not her life that she's fighting for, her legal status. But she's recognizing that there will be other people behind her who may end up suffering persecution, so she's demanding a ruling. Now, if you think about this, this comes with potentially a lot of persecution. She could be persecuted at her work. She could be persecuted in her neighborhood because she's standing for her rights to pray. It takes a lot of time. Thank God for these legal defense funds. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of money. There might be a lot of persecution, but yet she says, I'm going to make a stand. We need to do the same. Paul is not telling us to be absolute pacifist. He's saying that when there is a ruling, we have to submit to the ruling. But there's nothing wrong with fighting within the system 
for a ruling that is going to be Christ-honoring. We need to do it. And we need to stand up for Christian ideals, truths, rights into the system that we find ourselves working. Yes, there's some people that listen to us. They don't have that privilege. And shame on us as American Christians. If we end up finding ourselves in a world that we cannot express our faith in, And some of it will be to our own fault because we won't stand up boldly. Think about this. If you're my age or older and you grew up in an evangelical church, you grew up in a time where the church was very active in witnessing. Where we would go out and we would canvas the neighborhood and we would knock on doors. And all of a sudden society said, No, that's not acceptable. That's not acceptable. And then the devil did his work on us and said, oh, that's not going to be very productive. And the church got silent in their evangelistic efforts regarding door-to-door evangelism, where people were afraid to pass out a track. Well, that's not going to work. I'm not going to do that. Well, that worked in two ways. One is, is there were people that came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ through door-to-door evangelism. I was a part of it. I witnessed it. It worked. The second thing it did is, is it put a local face to Christianity. See, it's easy to persecute Christians when there's no face. That's easy. You can kind of create whatever image that you want if you're a lost person and you want to persecute. But when the Christian is the nice next door neighbor that expresses their faith, when the Christian is interacting in the neighborhood, when the Christian is down at the city council expressing what the city council should do, or when they're in the state house, or when they are in federal government and you're expressing your rights as believers and they see your face, it gets a little more difficult. For the person to stand up. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. But see, Christ told us in Matthew 5.13, He says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Well, why did I read that verse? I read that verse because salt is a preserving agent. The worst thing that happens as you and I stand for truth is we limit the decay or at least slowing the decay of society. Christ then goes on in 14 and says, You're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We are to be a good citizen. And as we are a good citizen, we are to take the example of Paul. And whether we're in persecution or whether we are in freedom, we are to profess our beliefs 
in the Lord Jesus Christ and his teaching and truth. The world's absent of that. The church has gotten way too quiet. We need to recognize that all of this that we witness in our society right now is a fight against evil. Ephesians 6 verse 12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day in having done all to stand. If you and I are going to be soldiers for Christ, if we're going to be citizens for Christ, we need to take up our armor. We need to be prepared. You've got to know how to use the book. And quite frankly, what we find is, is because of the lack of doctrinal and scriptural knowledge among modern day Christians, when they try to do battle in the public square, they end up a lot of times coming up short. Because the other side is better prepared than we are. That's got to stop. We've got to be prepared. We've got to be ready. We've got to have our argument laid out. We've got to know here in America two things. We've got to be prepared with our biblical argument. We've got to be ready to stand up and fight for our rights and proclaim the name of Christ. And have a good testimony as we participate. But also, we've been given this wonderful liberty here in this country that, quite frankly, was paid for by blood. And we need to know our rights here in the democracy that we find ourselves living in. And we as Christians should come together. We should come together with a like mind and stand for the things of truth. But that is a real challenge right now because if you think about what's going on in the churches, half the churches don't believe in Christian truth. But we need to, as believers that come together, that stand on the Bible as the Word of God, we better come together and coalesce around that truth. And stand for truth so that the world that we fight for in our system is a world that we would be happy for our children and grandchildren to live in. And as we look at what's going on right now, I would say that in this country we're losing. We're losing. But it's not too late. We need to pray for revival. We need to witness so that people, instead of having an uneducated view of what a Christian is, would say in their mind as you walk away from their door, say, you know, that person was really nice. That person was really nice. As you watch TV 
or as you look on the internet, are Christians portrayed as nice people today in the modern press? No. We have to counter that. And you can't counter that unless you are active in the public square. We have to give people an idea of what a Christian looks like, how a Christian acts. Why do we believe the way that we believe? We have to be active. And in addition, we have to be equipped. And my friends, it all starts with the Word of God. I may get this quote wrong. This is a Martin Lloyd-Jones quote in my paraphrase, but it's so true. Martin Lloyd-Jones says that too many times Christians spend too much time on things that they don't believe in versus the things that they do believe in. And let me tell you why I think that's such an important quote. The battle that we fight today is not the battle that we will fight a year from now. It won't be the battle that we fight five years from now. It changes, doesn't it? Evil kind of just moves along. But the truth is constant, isn't it? The truth never, ever changes. And I will tell you this. If you spend your time learning the truth of God and being ready with the truth of God, regardless of what the heresy or false teaching or flavor is of the day, whether it's today, next year, or five years from now, just as Paul promised us in Ephesians, you will be able to stand if you dedicate yourself to the truth of God. Join me in prayer. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that you have given us your word. We pray, Lord, that we would be a good citizen. I pray, Lord, that we would not be a lazy citizen that we would stand for the rights that we have as believers. And I pray, Lord, that as believers, that we would come together and fight for a world that is friendly to Christians, that helps mold and shape society. I pray, Lord, that we truly would be salt and light. I pray if there's someone listening that has never accepted you as Savior and Lord, that they would ask Christ into their heart, ask for forgiveness of sins, repent for their sins, and have Christ be their Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us as Pastor Bird continues this sermon series. If you wish to hear more, you may find him at millcreekchurch.org 
or go to sermonaudio.com slash Church. Prayer requests may also be left at millcreekchurch.org. Our church services are as follows. Sunday morning Bible study is at 9 a.m., followed by our worship service at 10 a.m. We have Wednesday night prayer meeting and Bible study, and they are at 6.30 p.m. For more information and our mission statement, please visit our website, millcreekchurch.org.